G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. If it's a properly designed and engineered correctly, dividend-paying whole life insurance policy from a mutual life insurance company, it grows, guaranteed, every single year, and there's nothing we can do about it at a faster and faster rate. It's accessible within about five to six days, Read You can get access to your money because it's your cash, right? It's your cash value. Uh, you can use it as a retirement savings vehicle and the cash can be accessed totally tax-free if it's designed correctly with no contribution limits. You know, There's no limit by the government or anybody else on how much you can put into one of those policies. And you can have as many of those policies as you wish. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mark Willis. Mark is a certified financial planner, he's a best-selling author, and he's the owner of Lake Growth Financial Services in Chicago, Illinois. He's also the host of a very cool up-and-coming new podcast, which I had the pleasure of being on, called Not Your Average Financial Podcast. And Mark is here to talk to us all about becoming your own bank, and I'm really excited and pumped to have him on the show. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Mark. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Oh, good day. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Hey, my pleasure. Um, you've, you've listened to this show uh, and we talked a little bit in the green room just before pressing record here, but do you want to rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? It was uh, Indianapolis 
deep winter, ice, snow, abominable snowmen, all the, all the wonderful things you could probably imagine. And uh, yeah, a couple of snow shovels and a, a snowblower and a lot of grit. Uh, and you know, I don't know, a lot of hot chocolate at the end of the day, I guess, too. Yeah, we had a little uh, neighborhood uh, uh, snow shoveling business. And I can tell you once once in a blue moon, there is a, a, a kind of snow in Indiana, at least, that just is unparalleled in the universe. It's like a foot and a half of actual snow, and then it rains, and then it ices over. So then you got like three inches of ice, almost like frosting, and you got to pick at that stuff. Man, it was hardcore work. I loved it. Loved every minute. I'd probably have a heart attack trying to do it today, but had a great time. And it's also the coldness of the slush, that cold, that, that yeah. you get in your shoes and your boots and you're walking around. I remember living in New York City and for the longest period of time, I kept wearing my, uh, my work shoes on the street and it was getting, you know, I'm like, refused to buy some sort of weather boot and uh, my shoes and socks were soaked by the time I got to, to work. Oh, yeah. And you try to walk on the little path where like people had walked it to create like bare ground or concrete and inevitably you always slip and you know, hit, all over your ass, hit your head, and look like an yeah. idiot. But uh, yeah, those, those polar vortex winters are disgusting. <laughs> That's why I live <laughs> well, in Southern California. And, yeah, and, I was going to say <laughs> we're we're all we're all kidding ourselves if we're not living where you are right now in the right. beautiful LA area. So yeah, um, save some room for us. I will. I will. So mate, um, tell us a, bit, a little bit about your journey and how you've got to where you are today. Um, you're you're in the introduction. I briefly mentioned you're a financial planner, but walk us through your history of. of growing into the entrepreneur that you are. Sure. Yeah. So I graduated in 2008 with uh, three degrees between my wife and I. Uh, 2008, you probably remember, was a great time to be leaving and looking for work. Uh, and we had the, un- the employee mindset at that time. We had no business, no job, no income, six figures of student loan debt in the midst of the Great Recession. Uh, great time of life to be uh, just, you know, ready to launch, right? But we were so determined uh, that somehow we made it. We scrapped together a ton of different side jobs, side businesses, everything else, in addition to whatever work we could find. And we were throwing all this extra money at our student loans, which really got me and my wife very keen on our own personal finance, uh, you know, our money, our budget, whatever. And we had never really realized the weight, the true weight of our debt, our student loan debt, which it was pretty low interest, but it was a massive payment. It, honestly, it felt like another roommate that wasn't covering their share, fair share, right? Uh, we had to get kick out Sally Mae and all the rest of them. Uh, and we slowly did it, but it was an unconventional way to do it. And I think that's partly what your audience might love to learn more about, not only in how to pay off your debt, but how to become your own source of financing to become better than debt free. Yeah, I think the big uh, issue, particularly coming here in the States, is how much you guys are saddled up with debt uh, when you come out of university. If you don't go to a public state school, I think, you know, from, I don't know if it's from state to state, but I know here in California, my, my wife went to UC, uh, University of Southern California, Santa Barbara, UCSB, uh, so University of California, Santa Barbara. And that was a lot more affordable because she was a, uh, a resident of, of, of California. But if you go to New York or Indiana or somewhere like that, you're paying out-of-state tuition, and that can be really expensive, right? And um, a lot of Americans get set up with huge amounts of debt. And I know I come from a country, I'm very lucky where I have low interest rate debt. I still have a little bit of debt, but you know, I did my civil engineering, civil engineering degree for four years, uh, less than $25,000. So um, just, just completely different. Um, so, so tell me how you went about trying to get rid of this debt, particularly early on when, when you did graduate in, in, in the recession. And, and I also graduated in the recession, but it was just different countries. And I know that you here in the United States, a lot more people were affected compared to other first world countries like Australia and England and Europe. So, so what, how did you go about getting rid of that first saddlebag of, uh, of money that was uh, dragging you down? It, and it was a saddlebag for sure. It did feel like a boulder on my shoulders. Uh, and I will tell you, I think that people, even if you aren't struggling with debt like my wife and I were, I think there's going to be some incredible value in today's conversation. However, yeah, it was, it was the old snowball method at first. And that's what you know, most, um, you know, financial planners might give advice to their clients, uh, if they'll even talk to you when you're in debt. Uh, uh, usually a, a mainstream financial planner will say, you know, just pay your smallest debt or your highest interest rate, whichever first, and then go tackle that one. And then once that's paid off, go after the next one. And we were doing that. We were living on rice and beans, had about a thousand bucks in the bank. 
And we were going after that stuff like crazy, throwing an extra couple thousand dollars a month toward our debts. Uh, and at some point, uh, we kind of woke up and it was, you know, to the benefit of us, it was a mentor of ours that came over, a former uh, professor from my university and kind of woke us up to maybe there's a better way uh, to paying off all this debt. You know, what's the problem of paying off your debt? The problem is once you've given that dollar to your creditor, it's gone forever. But also gone is all that that one dollar might have grown to had we done something else with it instead. And that's the, the potential future value of that one dollar rather than going to, to a debt service. Right, right? That's exactly right, Reed. Yeah. So the great to have that interest rate off of our backs and that debt off of our backs. But what could one dollar when you're 21, three, 25 years old, what could one dollar grow to even in a conservative growth rate over your lifetime? Those are the most powerful dollars in your life, the ones that you earn in your 20s. So what, what could you do that's even better than just paying off a debt? And that's what we um, devoted our next few years to pursuing and exploring and becoming. Uh, and that is, you know, what has brought wealth to families for thousands and thousands of years which is becoming your own banker. Uh, and specifically, there's a great book out there, Reed, called uh, Debt, The First 5,000 Years. And it's by a guy named David Graeber. I mean, talk about a cool title, but it just goes to show, you know, why is it the biggest buildings in everyone's hometown has, uh, is owned by the bank, right? Um, there's a reason for that. And I think it, it bears exploring. Um, yeah, so no, that's, well, let's, let's, let's get into it because it's really interesting um, the whole, it, I don't know if it's new, but it's definitely getting a lot more um, airtime, this whole self-banker idea. I've had uh, um, MC Laubscher on the show from uh, Cashflow Ninja who's talking a lot about becoming your own uh, financier uh, and how to use in insurance-based uh, premiums to um, put it put away but then borrow against at a high interest rate and then be able to go, it's sort of like this compounding effect of doubling your money on both locations. So um, and I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode. Tell, tell me through the, take me us through the basics. So people who don't know the idea of being a self-banker, um, what is it? What is it from a, from a high 30,000 foot level view? Yeah, so as a certified financial planner, I, I never start with product. However, we are going to talk about one today, but I really like to start with a question, which is, hey, if you had, you know, the, the magic wand to wave and you could create your own personally perfect financial vehicle, whatever it might be, right? What kind of characteristics would you want it to have? If you were Pope of money, Reed, and you could just, you know, wave your magic wand and boom, there's a perfect financial instrument. Uh, I ask my clients this sometimes and they come up with really similar answers. You know, it's easy access to cash for the real estate investor. It's some sort of predictable return, decent to beat inflation, certainly. Uh, they'd want tax advantages. They want it to be protected from lawsuits or other creditors. They'd want it to be private. They'd want it to have no limits from the government in terms of what you can contribute to uh, that particular financial vehicle. You know, like for example, a Roth IRA, you can only put in whatever 6,000 a year, uh, you know, up to a certain age. You know, so they'd want certain specific things, guarantees that that money's going to be there when they go to look for it. Um, to be a cash buyer, you've got to make sure that that money's in that vehicle when you go to open up the, the piggy bank and go uh, to the courthouse steps or whatever to make that purchase. Or if you're running a business, uh, syndications and otherwise, you'd need to have some sort of ready access to capital for marketing, for raising capital, and, and getting the word out about your business. Every business survives on the oxygen of cash flow. So mm -hmm. you start with the characteristics, you know, start with the functions and then go to the labels. One of the best financial vehicles that I was able to find in my pursuit of how to pay off my own debt and as I studied to become a certified financial planner where they really throw the book at you when it comes to like learning all the depths and breadth of the financial universe. Everything from real estate uh, to wholesaling, flipping, you know, buy and hold, whatever, but also all across the, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds to estate planning with dynastic trusts. I mean, it goes all over the place. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but a privilege to do, right? And one of the things that really caught my eye uh, was how whole life insurance of all things, if it's properly designed, now that's the key phrase, if it's a properly designed and engineered correctly, dividend paying whole life insurance policy from a mutual life insurance company 
it grows guaranteed every single year. And there's nothing we can do about it at a faster and faster rate. It's accessible within about five to six days, Reed. You can get access to your money because it's your cash, right? It's your cash value. Uh, you can use it as a retirement savings vehicle and the cash can be accessed totally tax-free if it's designed correctly with no contribution limits. You know, There's no limit by the government or anybody else on how much you can put into one of those policies. And you can have as many of those policies as you wish. And maybe most importantly, uh, it is a source of money that you can use as a bank or like a bank. Certainly, it's not an FDIC-insured bank or anything like that, right? But you can use it like a bank uh, for your purposes, you know, whatever it is, whether it's sending your kids to, to Disneyland there or buying your piece of real estate or growing your business. Uh, and all the while, the policy continues to grow. And this is maybe the most profound part of this whole thing, Reed. The policy itself, when I access the cash, to use as a loan, the policy itself continues to grow and compound as if I had not touched the money, even though I've pulled the money against it to invest in that real estate deal down the street. Right. And this is exactly the, the strategy MC was talking about um, was going like a year and a half ago now. Um, and it's called the infinite banking system, correct? Correct. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of nicknames out there for it. I found that there's only a very few that have really done a good job of protecting the intellectual property of what that word means, right? It's sort of like when you go to the grocery store and there's, um, you see a granola bar that says all natural. Right. Well, that may or may not mean the right thing, right? Uh, but if you get the words USDA organic, uh, at least here in the United States, that, that means something. There's a right. specific credential. And so we use a phrase called bank on yourself that's been trademarked, copywritten, and I had to go through another three, three plus years of training and mentoring to achieve a, a credential called the Bank on Yourself Authorized Advisor. So we really dr uh, drill down since there's so much Me Too advisors out there in the space, right? Uh, we drill down to get that credential so that folks that work with us know it's sort of like an engineer, right? You don't want to go across that bridge unless you know that that engineer uh, was well-trained and certified and bonded and whatever else. So Right. It's sort of like, like that. A professional engineering license and all that sort of stuff. You can stand Absolutely. Drawings and it's a safe bridge. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's incredible to have those types of financial advisors in the sphere that are being trained in these types of products. Because let's not forget, this is a product. And everyone who's listening and who's listened to, to this infinite banking system or as you talk, bank on yourself system in the past, it is a product related to insurance companies. So can you maybe walk us through, and it, back to my original point, why this is getting so much more airtime in the last call it, three to five years compared to 20 years ago. Maybe it was still around 20 years ago, but we weren't aware of the power or people weren't talking about it as much. What, mm. What's this resurgence? Why has it come all of a sudden? Well, I think we've really tried the, the, the Wall Street game. Uh, and honestly, I think it's failed. Uh, you know, traditional retirement systems have really come up short. You know, it wasn't always the case that that we as Americans anyway, plugged all of our money into the stock market or superannuation plans or whatever else, right? In Australia. Uh, so the, the real interesting thing here is what's old is new again. You know, I mean, this was around uh, for over 200 years, you know, dividend paying whole life insurance has been around for centuries. Um, I think it really has come back into the limelight because we've seen such turbulence, especially in the last few years in the markets and in our politics uh, that returning to something that has a safe, predictable, liquid uh, uh, guarantees built right into it seems to add some real power to the overall portfolio. Now, as a certified financial planner, I'm looking at this from a comprehensive view, right? And I never recommend everybody just jump into this whole life idea, especially not with every last penny you might own. And that's where complementing whole life insurance uh, with other investments you might make, for example, your real estate would really pair nicely together. It's wine and cheese, you know, it's nitro and glycerin, you know, they go great together. In fact, they make each other better than when they're sitting alone on your shelf. So um, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I yeah, think no, it somehow it's, it it's really cut the eye and cut the attention of especially folks who need access to cash, you know, like business owners. And, and so talk, let's go through the mechanics of what this means. You say whole life insurance. You say put your money in life insurance, take out this policy, and all of a sudden you get money back and blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's, let's break it down. So I'm a business owner and I have cash in the business. Call it a million bucks. 
what do I, I come to you, Mark, and I say, Mark, I've got this million dollars. Uh, I still want to be li- quote unquote liquid. I still want to be able to use it to pay marketing. I still want to be able to use it to pay payroll. I still want to be able to use it to you know, pay my rent on the space. What are you going to do with it? And how does it work in the life insurance policy that will essentially benefit me a double-edged sword, that, not a double-edged sword, a double-sided coin into so that I'm profiting on both ends, uh, not just obviously the, the insurance policy side, but also the fact that I get to keep using it in my business and grow the business and thus return on my capital. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, I'll tell you a story first and then we can dive deeper into sure. the functions, right? So there's a, a business owner who actually in California who had a, a million dollar line of credit uh, to the bank and it was just a line of credit that he would use to help his business grow and he was a nationwide uh, success. He had been very successful in his business. Over time, uh, the bank calls him up and says, hey, we're going to term out your loan. First, cutting it in half from a million-dollar line of credit to 500000 250000 And then only two weeks later, we're exiting your business. You need to come up with your million dollars to us in the next few years. And they gave him a very dr- direct and specific timeline. That was going to wreck his business. And this is, again, in the midst of 2008 when banks stopped lending. There's an old uh, phrase, I think Mark Twain said it, read, a banker is a fellow who will lend you his umbrella when the sun is shining, but wants it back as soon as it starts to rain. And that's sort of what happened to this poor business owner and very successful, but the bank took all the oxygen out of the room and all of a sudden he had to pay the bank back and he had to come up with his own line of credit. So what we did was we set up a a very accelerated premium uh, into a policy. It was a colleague of mine that did this and just flooded that thing with cash value. So when you put money into a life insurance policy, functionally speaking, that's called premium. When you go to a bank, you call that a deposit. When you put money into a 401k or real estate, you call that an investment. When you put it into uh, life insurance, you just call that premium. And when it goes some, And that's a a starting amount, correct? It's it's, it's you're opening an account and you're depositing a million dollars or whatever it might be, 10,000 bucks. And and that's Mm -hmm. the point of a premium or you go buy an investment, you put a million dollars into an investment, it's the investment. Okay, got it. I just yep. want to be clear so everyone Perfect. understands that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and once it's in there, it's what, it's what happens next that really gets interesting. So mm-hmm. once it goes into the life insurance policy, immediately, of course, buys you a death benefit, which is more than your contribution automatically. And it grows with dividends for the rest of your life. So, you know, you throw in a million dollars and you might have, according to your age and health and everything else, you might have three, five million dollars of death benefit day one. That's pretty nice. But the cash value continues to grow at a steady and predictable and you know, some people say boring return, but it beats other cash, right? It's, a, it's not meant to be an investment. It's, it's sitting alongside our cash savings accounts, money market accounts, but it does better returns than other cash equivalents in your portfolio. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about in terms of returns? Yeah, yeah I've, you know, over the last 50, 60 years, I've seen the returns somewhere between four and six and a half percent. And that's an Just- after tax return. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would our 401k have to do just to keep up with that, right? Right. If it's taxable. Uh, So the key here is once it's in there and it's growing in that nice, steady, but, you know, predictable clip, now I can use that cash as a line of credit for myself or for my business or for my other investors that want to come to me. I have a lot of clients that are hard money lenders and they'll use their cash value as monies for their investments uh, uh, that they offer out to and and loans that they offer out to their other investors. Uh, And of course, that's where you can really talk about if you want the the loan function of this policy, Um, but you can withdraw the money out or you can loan against the policy, becoming your own source of financing. I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now, back into the show. So just to be clear, so we're summarizing for everyone, it's, it's, you, you have a, a bunch of money that you're putting into a policy, uh, and we call it account, policy account, uh, huh? uh, investment premium. They're all the same, different lingo, but the same essentially idea. And then from that, um, just one question before we dive into that summary is, what is the money, once you put it into an insurance life policy, what is the insurance company doing with it to, to, to give you that 4, 4 to 6% return 
uh, on that money. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The insurance company itself has to keep a lot of it in cash in case I croak this afternoon, right? It's got to pay that life insurance proceed. Whatever it, um, you know, whatever it doesn't need to keep in cash, it's going to be putting to work and uses uh, mostly things that are fixed income assets, real estate being one of them, but majority of it might be investment grade corporate bonds and other long-term held to maturity fixed income assets. That's a mouthful. But, you know, essentially bonds, real estate, policy loan interest, term insurance premiums, you know. And they're they're doing the insurance policy thing or the insurance company thing and making sure the money is protected so they can pay out all their premiums and all their policies that they've gone initiated, but they need to then put that money to generate more money into safer assets Mm -hmm. like bonds and stuff like that. Okay, got it. Correct. That's that's, that's, that's very interesting. And and 46% nothing to sneeze at. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's not bad at all, especially in low interest rates. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying we can then go and take out a loan against that to put into another investment, i.e. personal real estate deal that I want to cash flow? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. And can that can that loan, quote-unquote loan, against our insurance policy, can that be coupled with other bank debt? Yes, it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. So yeah. here's, if people are listening and understanding where I'm going with this, is that you've got money, make a million dollars, and a million dollars is a lot of money, but I'm just using a round number. It's earning, call it $50,000 a year over on the insurance premium side. And take that million dollars and you couple it with a two million dollar loan to go buy a three million dollar property, and that million dollars uh, in that property is producing is at a cap rate of five percent on leverage that would probably be more like six or seven or eight percent. So, yeah, then you've got two different same sources, sources of money earning one four percent on one end and might call it another eight percent on another end, and that is and you have this huge wealth accumulation, and that is where you're getting you, you really, you know churning, making the money truly work for you at that point because it's now doing two functions with the same $1 or the same million dollar check that you might have written to start that policy. The beginning. So right. true. Yeah, that's yep. exactly right. Again, uh, once once we know that we're the banker, we're in control and you can use the banks for your convenience, not the other way around. Right. So you're exactly right. If I walk into the bank with a life insurance policy, they actually see you as more uh, lendable right? Because mm-hmm. they know whether you live or die, that loan's going to get paid back to their bank, right. Uh, right? Because you can collaterally assign your life insurance or part of it anyway to the bank. And to then the bank. once that yeah. loan is paid off to the bank, they re-release that policy back to you if you wish. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone is, has ever applied for uh, a mortgage, they will ask you on your personal financial statement, do you have any life insurance policies? And it's very, to your point, Mark, is that the bank is looking at that as saying, well, even if they die, we have collateral against their life insurance policy to get paid off for this particular investment that they are coming to us to want to borrow money on or to want to get leverage on. So it's Correct. very, very interesting. Now, the, the question I, it comes up um, is when I go to the insurance policy provider and say, hey, I want that million dollars back to go buy property number A, what is the interest rate that they're charging me when I go and take that money back out? Great question. In fact, um you know, I've done a few case studies here. And so I could even walk through some specific numbers, yeah, not to it. get too, yeah. I don't know yeah. how your audience likes numbers. Don't, you if know, we keep, certainly if we keep uh, a high level. If we keep it, you know, good. very round numbers, we'll, let, let's, let's do that. Because that good. would be, that would be give a be, the best description examples and case studies are the best way to really understand the examples that you're mm-hmm. trying to give rather than just I'll assume, I'll assume you guys uh, can listen to numbers and not drive off the road. So I'll, I'll keep it simple <laughs> for everybody. Uh, so yeah, let's, you know, uh, so to your question, there's a loan interest rate on policy loans. So it, it, it bears repeating that we want to be a good banker with our own source of cash here. You don't want to steal from your own bank. It's always better to repay that loan over a reasonable period of time. Well, what's reasonable? Well, it depends on what we bought. If it was a vacation or a car, maybe a few, a year or two or three, if it's a real estate deal, maybe it's 10 or 15 years, you know, let the renter pay your loan off for you. I have a lot of our clients do that where the, you purchase a piece of real estate, the renter is paying you a rent and then you use that rent check to repay the policy loan. All the while the policy is still growing and you've got the appreciation of the real estate and you've got the cash flow from the renter all at the same time. So let me give a quick example. Sure. had a gentleman who was putting in money into a policy for a few years. And over time, he had, he had accumulated about $350,000 uh, in cash. And he borrowed against that cash value and bought a, a, a real estate that was going to appreciate in the neighborhood, let's just say at 3% a year. Okay, so from and over five years, that means it would grow from 
350,000 to basically 400,000 bucks over five years. The house did. The house did. Okay. Uh, all the while, the policy loan, uh, the APR on that was 2.1% as he I, repaid his loan. People, um, annual, just make sure people understand what that means. Mm. Yep. Okay. So the annual percentage rate means kind of the, the termed out over five years, here's the total amount of interest paid. In fact, it was $76,000 of interest, I believe, uh, for those that want to get really interested in this. Or I'm sorry, excuse me, let me start over. It was $38,000 of total interest paid. Okay. On, the loan the, was 350000 over five years. Yes, sir. So that's a 2.1% APR is what that works out to. Okay, so the house grew from 350 grand to 400 grand. So that's basically, you know, 50,000 50, uh, bucks. The uh, cost of money was 38 grand, if you're keeping up with us here. The policy itself, without him putting any more money into the policy, grew by $120,000 over that same five-year period, even though he had borrowed out the entire amount, okay? So the house itself grew at 3%, but his overall rate of return was 10%. Okay. And because yep. he combined it. Yeah. Because he combined it. And that's the power of, of using. Yeah, that's buying it with cat, with all cash, right? That property, yes. $350,000 property, all cash. He yeah. would have had to put $350,000 of hard cash into the policy. The policy would then borrow him at a 2.8, 2.81% or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then that was used as all cash. So Correct. that's where, and that's where people, so the, and this is it's a great example. I think that's awesome. I'm just going to repeat that again. So it's a, it, in, in, in Mark's example, it was a all cash into an insurance policy and using then essentially an all cash buyer for the $350,000 house. You didn't go out and get an additional bank loan. And that's where people, I think, will be interested to know, does it make sense to keep that $350,000 liquid? Uh, or do I don't have $350,000, I might have $50,000, but it's enough to, I could, you know, $50,000, I could go get a pretty low interest rate first time home FHA loan uh, and just use it and put it straight into the property. But you could also put that $50,000 into an insurance premium and then borrow against it. And then so that 2.81%, would you then have to add on whatever the bank is going to pay? Uh, you have to pay the bank, um, you know, call it 3.5%. So there's a bit more of a, uh, we'll call it um, combined int interest rate that most people would want to look at this policy. And I might be getting too technical for some people, but you're essentially doing what Mark says, but instead of, you might not have the $350,000 to buy all cash, you have to use a bank. So do you go put your down payment, 20%, into an insurance premium, borrow it at 2.81% and then go lend more money at say 3.5% to go buy a $350,000 property. Mm -hmm. the, so that, the key is you've got those choices when you've got <laughs> the cash. Yes, sir. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll give, you, I'll give you one more without too sure. many more numbers if folks who are interested in just how this can be creatively applied. Remember, you could use this to do your HOA specials, fix up your um, HVAC system. You could do this to pay your property taxes. You don't have to do full cash purchases like I just described. I'll tell you one more very interesting idea. And a lot of times it's my clients that bring these ideas to me. So let's say, for example, you own four properties, each at $100,000 each. Okay, so you have four properties. Uh, properties appreciating, let's just say at 3% a year, which is about what Case Shiller says most homes are doing across the United States over time. And of course, your markets are probably better than that because you're listening to shows like Reed's. But uh, <laughs> so that means every year we're getting an additional $12,000 of equity uh, on our $100,000 value homes uh, for the four homes. Okay. So every five years, let's do a cash out refinance. That would be what we call the equity harvesting idea. Okay, so every five years we're pulling out, 12 times five is $60,000. So we're pulling $60,000 out and we lock in our real estate gains. So if the market falls the next year, we didn't see those equity dollars vaporize. So we've locked in those real estate gains and we put those gains into a life insurance policy. And as soon as we do that, within 30 days or so, you can borrow against the policy to buy a fifth property. Okay, so now we've got five properties churning and building you wealth, adding rental income, whatever else. And they're all now growing at, you know, now there's a fifth property doing appreciation now as well. So by the fifth year, now we have $510,000 of total appreciation. Plus the policy now is growing even on the capital we borrowed. And so there's annualized appreciation, not of $12,000 a year, but 17, almost $18,000 per year. So you just increased your cash on cash return without any additional market risk. 
just by using the policy and real estate together. That's the equity harvesting strategy we talk a lot about. And I'm sure you would have a pretty cool little tool that you could show people, right? Because it's obviously getting we're getting quite complex numbers here, but I think it'd be quite interesting to see. And maybe if they go to your website or something like that, they can see okay, this is house number one you buy if you just have some cash. Because that's where a lot of people start from, right? They've got they've saved some money. They're going to go out and use a you know, HA loan, or they're going to go out and use a loan to buy property number one. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like in come year three? Because you can then buy property number two. And then what happens in year six? Because you can buy property number three. You know. Right. So what does that look like once you start over a ten to fifteen year period? And um, and, and that how does that how does that create true long term wealth for, for people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think so. Can people go to your website to check out a simple example of house one to house two to house three mm-hmm. to house X? Correct. Yeah. In fact, if you go to growmorewealth.com, you can reach out to us and we'll send you a private webinar uh, that goes through all of these and more. Uh, And then, of course, we'd be happy to chat with you 15, 20 minutes, whatever, to see if it's a good fit for you. Uh, But it really can be very simple. It's all about, you know, using the policy for your control. You know, when you control the environment where your money lives, you win. When Mm -hmm. banks control the environment where your money lives, banks are going to win. It's no more complicated than that. I completely agree. And um, and I think the biggest thing that people are going to, when listening to this podcast or listening to other, you know, um, becoming your own banking, you know, infinite money system sort of podcasts, it can be a little bit mind-boggling to get your head wrapped around it. But the thing is, there's a lot of education out there right now. Uh, people like Mark are really, really well-versed in it. And it's just about going out and getting educated and understanding the pros of it pros and cons and, and what does that you know, look like in your personal situation. Mm-hmm. Um, one big thing, Mark, I want to talk about is that you know, fundamentally, um, I had someone on the show yesterday and it was actually quite interesting hearing him talk about pre and post-World War II, how our society has changed. Like Pre-World War II, everyone was actually entrepreneurs because there wasn't a, a systematic get into the corporate world, mm-hmm. climb the corporate ladder, invest your 401k, you know, um, you save, 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 save. It was really post-World War II where that sort of the last 60 to 70 years that that had been really a new phenomenon. And then it sort of has really crashed in the last 10 to 15 years since the recession. So people are now looking at older policies or mm-hmm. ideas like the infinite banking system, taking control of one's investment and, and to your, what your point you said earlier that wall street has had its day and now we're starting to become more financially savvy so with all that being said what is the risks involved with putting your money into an insurance policy given how much disruption we've had in the last 70 years going from pre-world war ii to world war ii to post-world war ii to 2008 to now where we are today mm-hmm. how would that affect moving forward the, the placing your money into insurance, you know, when, when more people talk about this sort of things, you get a lot of people running to those these instruments and does that then thus cause a bubble and thus then cause additional risk for the people putting uh, money into these instruments like insurance sure. like policies. Well, if there's bubbles out there, it's certainly not whole life insurance, let me tell you. Um, you know, so, you know, I think the, the recent statistic is that Americans are saving about 5% of their income uh, back in 1940, according to the Department of Commerce Bureau, it was 30% of our money was being saved. We were spent. We had debt of about 11% back in 1940. Today, it's 36%. Uh, so, if bubbles are a thing, it's in our student loans uh, and and uh, other forms of you know using someone else's bank. Uh, the good news, or I guess the interesting thing about whole life insurance, is it's been through uh, periods of hyperinflation periods of deflation, periods when we went off the gold standard, periods when we uh, didn't have the U.S. dollar as a U.S. as the national currency. Uh, we've had moments of, you know, I think thick Which and thin market crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All the things that we put, could possibly see in our future. Now, uh, there's an old joke that uh, if we have a nuclear war, there's three things that will survive. Uh, cockroaches, Twinkies, and mutual life insurance companies. <laughs> and that's how boring they are, right? I'm not saying that they will ever, you know, they'll stand forever, but I think that they're the last uh, domino to fall, let's say. And, uh, and actually, we just recently for Halloween, we did an interesting episode on nightmare scenarios and how it, how it would impact a whole life policy. Because it's true, you know, you, we're in a very low interest rate environment that's negatively impacting whole life insurance dividends as we're in this very low interest rate environment, I'm actually rooting for mortgages to go back up because that means I'm going to have a party at my house. Dividends are going up, right? Right. right. And, so and then you, you, bring up, you bring up a very good point there that uh, you, depending on who you listen to, interest rates are going to be in the toilet, you know, depending what side of the 
the coin you look at are going to be low for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And we're in this Correct. new world. So how does that affect our life insurance policies? Yeah. You know, it just means lower dividends, that 4 to 6% is maybe not as strong as, is that, what's, is that the only downfall of that? Well, sure. You know, again, compared to what is what I would say, right? There's no perfect game in town and nothing is immune to, and you can mess up the policies on a personal level too. So we could talk about that. Um, but, you know, the, the macro trends um, show that, you know, hey, you know, if it's a choice between, again, compared to what, is it a choice between the low interest rate savings and money markets or a, a cash equivalent like whole life insurance? Um, you know, over the long term, I'm going to choose my life insurance. It'll outperform. It's not an investment. I totally go for, you know, and I do, I use um, my whole life insurance policy for real estate investing. And there's, there's a really nice blend there. It's, you know, if you've read uh, anything by Nassim Taleb's, uh, you had the book Anti-Fragile. He talks a lot about the barbell strategy where you have a lot of your money in cash safe, safest kind of assets. And then you throw money into speculative instruments. Uh, Maybe it's that you know, very speculative uh, real estate deal that you don't know if it's going to work or not, but you used a safe asset to pair it with a risky asset. And all of a sudden you've got a really nice balance uh, between the two. Yeah. Very interesting. And you mentioned something about the, how we can stuff it up. What do you mean by that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, uh, if folks, you know, feel like they're too old for this or have a health issue, you can own these policies on business partners, spouses, kids, so don't count yourself out if you have health issues or if you, you know, have too many candles on the, on the cake, so to speak. But the ways you can mess this up is if you don't fund your policy, if you're stealing from your own bank, you know, of course, the policy's cash value will run out and the policy will lapse. And by the way, if you do that and you've taken all the money out and you never paid it back, you could have a taxable event if there are gains in the policy. So I always coach folks. And again, a good engineer has set this up from the beginning so that that sort of thing doesn't happen. It's sort of like, you know, if, I, if I'm driving my car down the highway and I see a tree in the distance, I could totally hit that tree or I could just sort of point away from it. And it's about as easy. You know, there's enough uh, levers and eject buttons on these policies that you don't accidentally wreck the thing, but it's certainly possible to do. I can think of maybe only one or two people in my uh, working with folks with hundreds of clients around the country that's ever had to lapse a policy, but it can happen. And, and really, you want to work with an advisor who's a coach, a consultant, not just there to sell you a life insurance policy. I think that's that's exactly right. You know, as we've said, we've talked about a lot of high, you know, very in-depth processes here, and, and and it's a new idea. If some of you listening to the podcast have never heard of it, uh, definitely go out and uh, contact Mark because he will be able to guide you in the right direction to, to make sure you don't stuff up, and you don't hit that tree long off in the mm-hmm. distance, and yep. you set yourself up for success in, in the beginning. Uh, and understand that the that you have parameters that you must keep within. You have to pay back this particular loan if you borrow it against the life insurance, the whole life insurance policy. And how do you do that on a on, on a repeatable basis that is not going to affect your business cash flow or not going to affect um, you know hinder you from growing in your real estate portfolio, whatever that might it might be. Uh, I think that the key to this is it is something that it might be a little bit new to some of my listeners. Go out and be educated about it. Don't don't ignorance is not is not an excuse anymore. And, and people like Mark are out there to, to educate the world about these incredible aspects and policies that can help you really truly grow long term wealth in over 10, 15, 20 years times. So. It's one of my favorite favorite things to do um, because I get to be with folks like yourself, Reed, and I feel like I just get to have an easy hand in glove kind of partnership with so many people in the real estate space, business owners, even families, because because all of us need cash. All of us have big capital expenses. So let's work together to find partnerships and ways that you can actually augment what you do so well uh, to, you know, use this particular strategy is great if it's a good fit. And I never recommend it until you've had a one-on-one to see what sort of risk tolerance you have, what kind of goals you have, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, the biggest thing we can do is just how, how to determine, I guess the biggest financial choice we all have in life is, how are we going to buy the big, the big things that we're all going to be faced with buying? If it's our cars, our kids' college, those real estate deals, our own home, we all have big expenses to, to negotiate. How do you buy them? It's not so much rate of return, right? It's how you buy the big stuff in life that matters more than what my interest rate was, right? Right, but it's also, I think, adding to that, it's how you buy, but how do you truly make your money work for you? And the example you, you gave before is... 
people say, oh, make your money work for you. Okay, I'm going to put into a real estate deal. Well, that's, make, that's making it work for you once, but this policy makes it work twi- at least twice. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you know, if you can make it work three times, I don't know how you do that, but that would be pretty, pretty freaking awesome, yeah. Yeah. Um, is that you, and, and the way, I guess, speaking out loud, the way in which you could do that is if you owned, you put into insurance policy, you used it to build a retail center or, or, or real estate deal, and then you own the business within that real estate deal, <laughs> so you're paying yourself. So yeah. there would be that would be your third wave. I'm 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 sort of getting off Love track it. here, but 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 it's it's a way in which you're maximising the use of your dollars and uh, and and being being educated on this space is really really important. So Mark, um, I do appreciate the time. I want to be cognitive of the time and make sure I'm not wasting any more of yours. Um, at the end of every show, I like to dive into the top five investing tips. Do you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Oh, it's uh, my full focus planner. I keep it with me every single day. I write down my goals every single day, my daily big three, which are my three most important things. And I'll even write out the, the, the focusing question. Have you heard of this question before? It's no. called, uh, what is the one thing I can do today such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? It's a very and focusing question. Oh, every day it's a little different, right? What's oh, the one it, thing that gets okay. me toward my goal today, right now? You can do the same with your real estate. What's the one thing I can do in my real estate business today such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? Ask yourself that question. That's a daily habit I'll, I'll take to my grave. Mate, who is the most influential person in your career today? You know, my, uh, you know, uh, Hokey, I'll say, but my wife, she helped get me out of the employee mindset and into something much bigger, much bigger horizon of being the entrepreneur I love being today. That's awesome. Uh, having family members in and around supporting yeah. you on that journey, because it can be quite difficult and, and daunting to leave a W-2 and change that, break those shackles. Um, yep. So awesome stuff. You gotta um, have gotta have a supportive uh, partner in life. Otherwise, it's gonna make everything else feel like you're going uphill. One hundred percent. Who can be there to protect you when the chips are down? And that's you know why we have. Why it's why we get into relationships, right? It's a whole whole another story for for another episode. Um, what is the most influential tool in your business? And when I say tool, it could be uh, hardware or software related. Yeah, I've really had a hard time with this one. I don't know. I guess Zoom, actually, because I'm, I'm getting this awesome networking with people all over the world, uh, like yourself, Reed. So Zoom, or you could call on Skype, I guess, too. But I just, it's changed the way I do business, and I love it. Awesome. I will do on Zoom right now. So it, it changes it changes everything. And uh, to your point, you can network with people halfway across the world. So very, very cool. Mate, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure that you've experienced today? And what did you learn from that failure? Um, I'd say the the worst failure of my life on a financial basis is to take at face value what Dave Ramsey says on the radio <laughs> and not think critically, right? Uh, you know, I, there's something better than being debt free. I'm sorry. And I'll scream it from the rooftop. Some, maybe one day you and I can start a radio show and, and scream, I'm better than debt free. <laughs> <laughs> but debt, not, debt is not good debt. Some debt is good. And, and, right. And yeah. I, that's it. it with, exactly. It's combining it with the, the right policies that we've talked to spoken about on this absolutely yeah absolutely don't be don't be afraid of debt because it does leverage you into bigger and better things um but it's how you use debt and not to be over leveraged that's what the point of these podcasts is to listen and to understand and understand leverage so you don't fuck up (laughs) exactly man yeah my biggest failure to put it in a sentence is i didn't think critically about money and you know the worst thing we can all do is to ask someone else to do it for me when it comes to your money Never use those words. Never wow. say "do it for me." You got to take the got to take the bull by the horns and really figure this thing out for yourself. It's one of the wow. coolest, most exciting parts of your life. So my, go get them. My, my dad always used to say to me, "Fool and their money are easily parted." There you go, man. Don't be, right that, on. Don't be that bloody fool. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, mate. Look, it's been so awesome talking to you. The last question I have for you is: if people want to understand more about what you do, they want to be in your sphere, they want to just understand this infinite banking system. Where do they go to reach you? Yeah. Uh, GrowMoreWealth.com. GrowMoreWealth.com. And you can connect with me or one of my colleagues all over the country. I partner up with folks all over the country that are specially authorized by Bank on Yourself uh, to know how to design and engineer these things correctly and know how to use this for real estate. So go to GrowMoreWealth.com. Happy to chat. Awesome, man. 
Well, look, I thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to jump on the show and really teach us a little bit more about a system that can really transform that long-term wealth journey. Uh, and you can start today. So um, some of the takeaway things that I took away from today's show was really understanding the power of getting your money to work for you, not just to put do it once, but to double it and do it on a whole life insurance policy. It's very, very powerful. And I'm sure there'd be a cool example that you probably already have that would show, you know, back to the buy one house, buy the second house, buy the third house. And what does that look like over 15 years? Uh, that could really, really, really um, skyrocket your, your, your wealth and your family's wealth. Plus also getting a benefit of the fact that you do get a death benefit insurance policy out of it as well. So I think that's really, really important. Um, and, and the other thing is just, you know, the way in which this policy has been around for hundreds of years. Um, and it's now in the, in the evolution of time as people are getting more sick of the, the stock market and wanting to take, take control of their financial future. These vehicles are out there that can assist us with that. And I think that is super, super important. So, uh, mate, but did, did I leave anything out? No, I, I, I love it. Uh, so thanks. Great summary. Awesome, man. Well, look, I thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We will catch up soon. Good on you. Well, there you have it, another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Mark. Please head over to his website, and it's going to be all up on my show notes. If you did miss any of the links, please go to the show notes, and they'll be all up on my website, reboostings.com. I highly recommend if people are interested in the infinite banking system, um, please reach out to Mark because he is an expert in it. He will be able to show you the way and really educate you if you have any questions in and around how you can get started and what's the benefit for you and your family. Um, again, full of their money, you're easily parted. Don't be that fool. Go out and be educated and don't be ignorant. Well, guys, I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that is what we're all about here on this show. I'm going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be safe. And remember, go with your life. Right.